3: Welcome back, Packers fans, to the Pack-A-Day Podcast. It is Saturday once again. It's a Saturday crew. We're all back together. It is a good feeling. I'm Jason Perone of Game On Wisconsin and the Pack-A-Day Podcast, along with Mark Eckel of Packer Report and Paul Bredel of Dairyland Express and Cheesehead TV. Mark, welcome back. How Hi, is... Uh, what everybody wants to know before we get into anything else is how's the weather on the East Coast?
4: Well, we got a little rain today. A little rain down here in uh, South Carolina. Um... Temperatures are 50-ish, low 50s, but um, pretty rainy day, rainy day on the beach.
3: Okay, excellent. Glad to have you back. And Paul Brittle in the Dairyland State of Wisconsin, where there will be no football played this weekend, and that's a good thing. Uh, It's rare that that's a good thing, but it is a good thing because it means the Packers don't have to play. They get the week off. They get to watch everybody else beat up on each other. Paul, how are we looking up in Green Bay?
5: It is pretty typical for this time of the year. High 20s, low 30s, some sun clouds, but no snow in the forecast for the time being. And while we're talking about weather, we just got to give a shout out to Rob. He gave us a shout out on Twitter talking about our weather report that we go through each week.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So if that's what we're famous for, we shall absolutely lead off with that. So here in the Phoenix area, pretty pretty basic. It's been sunny and uh, High 60s, low 70s during the day. It's that time of year we that we we brag about, and people that live in Arizona that that's one of the reasons why they live here. So, can't complain, and it should be more of that coming up in the uh, in the next few weeks here. So, on we go. There was there's no Packers game this weekend, but on Friday it was announced the uh, Associated Press All Pro announcements were made. There were four Packers that made the first team All Pro and two second teamers: Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, David Bakhtiari, and Corey Lindsley. All selected as first team, all pros. Jair Alexander and Zadarius Smith selected as second teamers. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, no surprise at all, if you ask me. This is Aaron Rodgers' fourth time on the list. This was Devontae, Bakhtiari, and Lindsley's first time as a first-timer on, on this list. And then Jair and Zedarius make their first appearance on the list at all. Guys, I don't think there's any debate. And obviously David Bakhtiari, one of the best left tackles in in the game. A big loss, obviously, with him not being in there. I guess the, the big thing is Corey Lindsley makes, makes the first team All-Pro. He's had a really good season, and this stands out because, you know, rarely does a team let an All-Pro, well, it's happened before, but let an All-Pro get to the end of their contract and walk out the door. But Corey Lindsley's a free agent at the end of the season, and now he's a first-team All-Pro. I think his asking price probably just went up a little bit, Mark.
4: Yeah, it did. And that's not good for the Packers, who uh, they were going to be, you know, it was, it was going to be tough to bring them back if you didn't make first-team All-Pro. all, all pro. Um, So, it's going to be a shame to, to let them go, but I, with with the way their cap numbers are and with other, you know, they, I don't see how they're going to be able to afford to keep, court. I mean, I hope that, you know, Russ Ball works on magic somehow, or Maybe Corey gives him a home, home team discount, but um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be real tough to keep him.
3: And then as far as the, as Jair Alexander, Jair established himself as one of the best corners in the league. Do you think that he was snubbed by his second team designation?
4: Are you asking me this? Yeah. For Paul. Yeah. Um, I thought he could have been first team. I mean, who, who was it? Jalen Ramsey and Howard from Miami? You yep. Yeah. Ramsey's pretty good. I can't, I'm not going to argue Ramsey. Um, I don't see Howard enough. Um, I, I learned this a long time ago from talking to players. I, I, I actually think it was Troy Vincent um, who made who was all pro a few times, went to six Pro Bowls. He always told me, you get cheated early in your career, and then you get a bonus at the end of your career. Meaning... You know, you probably shouldn't should have made one sooner than you did, but you're still young and people don't give you the benefit of the doubt. But then you had a year at the end where you're probably there were probably younger guys better than you, but you still make it because of who you are and who you were. So I, I, that's how I'll chalk that one up to, to um, Alexander being second team. I mean, second, it's not the wrong being second team. I mean, he's still the, that, that makes him the third best cornerback in football.
3: Yeah, and he's certainly deserving of being on the list. I don't think Zadarius was even on it last year, even as an alternate.
4: And he had a better year last year. I think. He
3: had a better year last year. To your point, there's usually a lag. So, Paul, right. not to take away from what Aaron Rodgers has done this season, he's created quite a quandary that I'm going to enjoy discussing with you guys in the off season as far as what does it mean now in terms of Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers now that he's resurged. But Rodgers, Adams, Bakhtiari, no surprise, although you may have some thoughts on, on those three. But, Paul, your thoughts on Lindsley? A, as as his contract is set to expire. And then what was your take on Jair Alexander being a second teamer? And, and is Mark's theory probably one of the biggest
5: reasons why he's just a young
3: player? Uh,
5: as far as the four guys that made first team, all well-deserving. And, I mean, the the media got that one right. And obviously I'm happy that all of them who are there made it, but I'm particularly happy for Corey Lindsay. I just think that he is the unsung hero of this Packers offense. You know, like most offensive linemen, what he does goes a bit unnoticed, but I think it's even more so compared to, like, a David Bakhtiari. I mean, this season he's only given up one sack, four pressures. He hasn't been called for a single penalty. He's ranked in the top five in run blocking and pass blocking by ESPN among all centers. And in terms of pass blocking efficiency, he's not just the best center. He's the sec- He's tied for second best out of all offensive linemen. I mean, it's just been a phenomenal year. He's a super easy guy to root for. And like I said, I think he's just one of those un- unsung heroes of this Packers offense.
3: Just have um, to hope that he doesn't end up in the NFC North. If I don't know <laughs> if any of the NFC North teams need a center, but let's hope not.
5: Yeah, I, I obviously hope he's back of the remaining free agents, you know, that have been talked about and highlighted since the off season, He would easily be my number one ahead of Jones and King as far as if we could wave a magic wand and have one of them back. But just with the cap situation, the Packers are already going to have to, you know, make some tough cuts. I think, and I just he's going to get paid, and he deserves it, and he should should absolutely get paid. I just don't think it's going to be by the Packers, and I hope I'm absolutely wrong. Um, in terms of Jair Alexander, he has I he absolutely could have been a first team All Pro this year, and I was. And full disclaimer: I don't watch Jalen Ramsey of the Rams. I don't watch Xavier Howard of the Dolphins. Uh, but I was just kind of looking at their stats compared to Alexander. And, you know, when it comes to completion percentage allowed, uh, passer rating of opposing quarterbacks, pass breakups, they're all within the same ballpark. I noticed that Howard had 10 picks, which is really impressive. Uh, So I don't necessarily have too strong of an argument. I think you could have went with any of the two and had the right answer. I think where the – Uh, they have it wrong is there should be three cornerbacks I believe there's three receivers so why wouldn't there be three cornerbacks especially in today's NFL and I think that that would have solved the issue Uh, but I do agree with Mark I think that there might be a little bit of a a lag time when it comes to the younger players and Rodgers acknowledged that when it comes to Pro Bowl voting so I assume there might be some some sort of overlap when it comes to all pro voting as well but Jair's had a heck of a season and if he wants to carry that snubbed Mentality that Z did last year, hey, I'm all here for it.
3: Into the postseason, absolutely. Play with a little chip on his shoulder. I I subscribe to Mark's line of thinking and what he was told, and, and I think Jair will end up getting a nod uh, as he moves on, and, and now people know his name. The Packers are in the playoffs. If he plays really well, makes a couple big plays, it's like any other sport, more airtime, more time on the ESPN Top Ten list tends to do good things for you. I'll be real honest. Zadarius Smith had a good season statistically and maybe was overshadowed by the the emergence of a bunch of other of his teammates on defense. The Packers defense improved a lot this season. But Zedarius even being selected as a second team all pro was, was interesting because again it it wasn't the flashy season. Now his numbers were good and the sneaky thing about them was last year he got his stats in bunches. He would have some games or he'd have two or three sacks and just take over Doing all of his celebrations this year, quietly won a game, one sack a game, still a very good season, still a very very productive part of this defense, but maybe lending a little credence to to that whole idea. But the Packers, the the nice thing is, is that we just had we just opened the show with a conversation about six guys on this team, who two on defense, who. Are the best of the best in the NFL, and that's no surprise. The Packers are the one seed in the NFC, and that's what you need if you're going to be a top seed in any conferences. You need really good players, and the Packers have added some really good players over the course of the past several years. Besides Aaron Rodgers, everybody's 2014 and later. Zadarius was a free agent signing, so you know I get we're getting into six, seven years later, but players still playing at a very high level and we've got some contract stuff coming up and in the offseason it'll be fun to kind of talk about what the Packers might do with some of those things but great awards for the Packers and good things going into the playoffs uh, with the exception of David Bakhtiari who hopefully rest up get better and we'll look forward to him coming back in 2021 but I want to take a quick break because I I asked a question a couple of weeks ago. It really piqued my interest, and I wanted to inject it into the conversation this week a little bit. And with the bye and the Packers are on a bye, I just wanted to depart from the Packers for a second there, too, because one of the big conversations or topics from last weekend in Week 17 was the last game of the week, which was the Eagles and the Washington football team. And Washington still had to play for a playoff spot there. Had Washington lost that game, the New York Giants win the NFC East, and they're in the playoffs. They both would have – well, Washington finished 7-9. and nine. But the Giants may have gotten in as a division winner with only six wins. But there were some that took up issues with the way that the Eagles benched Jalen Hurts. And they they put Nate Sudfeld out there and all the excuses and reasons why Doug Peterson gave for why Sudfeld was played. We all know that teams obviously get their draft. The the draft order is determined by the way the teams finish. The Eagles have nothing to play for. So there was, I think, two or three spots to gain in the draft. Mark, you covered the Eagles for a long time and I know that you're connected to social media, so you hear everything that is said and done out there. What is your take on, should anybody be upset with the Eagles for what they did?
4: Well, upset? If you're a Giant fan, if you're a Giants player, I guess your your feelings are a little damaged. Uh, matter of fact, it's funny, um, I know a lot of Giants fans, too, growing up in Jersey, and a, a friend of mine uh, texted me that, that night, as it was happening, and said, uh, "This is this is terrible, aren't the Eagles? This is embarrassing, aren't, aren't aren't you? Don't you think this is an an embarrassment to the league?" And I said, yeah, "It's kind of embarrassing, but not as embarrassing as a six and ten team making the playoffs would have been, right? You know, I mean, Giant fans, shut up! You're six and ten. Six and ten doesn't belong near the playoffs. So just shut up. You're not good. Your team doesn't belong in the playoffs." So I don't want to hear it from Giants fans. I really don't. My, now, if you're a Miami Dolphin fan and you went and your team went ten and six and missed the playoffs because because the Steelers didn't play anybody against the Browns, maybe you got a little bit of a, a gripe. Although again, teams don't care about other teams. Right? They really don't. You you have to do what's best for you. What was best for the Pittsburgh Steelers was to arrest Ben Roethlisberger and some other guys to get them ready for. This week's game against the Browns, not last week's game against the Browns. The Eagles, uh, you know, I mean, you can make the argument that you should always try to win. And I'm not saying, I don't think the Eagles tried to lose. I, I think, you know, everybody says, you know, they they benched Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts was 7 for 20. And with an interception, and his, the last pass he threw was a terrible pass. He had a guy open in the end zone for what would have been a go-ahead touchdown, and he threw the ball... Right, right into the ground, so it wasn't like you know they they bent Joe Montana in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, you know, and and Peterson say he had said all week that he was going to get Sudfeld some playing time that the kid had been there four years he works hard every day, you know he does he threw him a bone he you know he, he wanted to he wanted to get the kid a chance to play I mean and again it's Doug Peterson's team he he decides who plays and and who doesn't and and listen if. He didn't know Sudfeld was going to go out there and, and play as poorly as he did. I mean, you know, he threw a pick, he fumbled all the, bowl, the guy was, You know, it, wasn't a, it was not a bad performance from, from Nate Sudfeld. But what if he went out there and, and threw a touchdown pass and, and they won the game? Nobody would be complaining. I mean, you know. So, again, I, I think people are making too big a deal. And the problem was if it's it's because the game was prime time. If, if that game was played at 1 o'clock Eastern, there would have been about six people watching it. <laughs> And you know, Washington fans would have been watching, and they'd have been happy, and nobody else would have even known or care.
3: Yeah, Sudfield went five for twelve, threw a pick in the loss. He didn't play particularly well, but I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of validity to what you're you're saying, Mark Paul. I know you're a no drama kind of guy, so I'm going to guess I know where you probably stand on on this whole thing. But do the eagle? I mean, did the Eagles owe anybody anything? And, and the fact that the NFC, I mean, the NFC East was going to send somebody not a not great division champion to the playoffs anyway. Not that that makes any particular excuse for the, the point of, did the Eagles do anything wrong?
5: I don't think so. I think that, I mean, the Giants, you're 6-10. and 10. You're in no position to be telling anybody to go win a game for you to get into the playoffs at 6 and 10. And as Mark pointed out, it's not like Jalen Hurts was sitting here lighting it up. You know, if he's 15 for 20 for, you know, 225 with two touchdowns and they yank him, well, okay, there's, you know, it's pretty obvious then. But another thing that I was looking at, or I guess what I heard was, Jason Kelsey, the Eagles center, came out this week. He's Kel- Travis Kelsey's brother. And, Mark, you can let me know if I'm way off on this, but I've heard him speak a few times before, and he seems like a very straight shooter. Oh, yeah. Uh, straight to the point. He's not going to he's not gonna BS you and just say stuff to say stuff. Uh, he came out and defended the move. He said that they felt that they could, with Sudfield out there, they felt that they could win. He said that, you know, that fumble... That was on him. That was his fault. That certainly didn't help anything. So coming from someone like Kelsey who seems no nonsense, like I said, straight to the point, and he under, you know, understood the move or defended the move as he did, that's really all I need. And as Mark also said, the NFL teams don't other, owe other NFL teams anything. You know, the Giants should have won seven games. I mean – yeah. At the beginning of the season, if you said, hey, <laughs> win seven games, you make the playoffs, you'd be like, oh, okay, I'll do that. <laughs> so just go win the game.
4: And you know what's funny, too, about the Giants? Um, they Now, last a year ago, they beat Washington. I, I don't know if it was the last game of the year or the next to last game of the year, which cost them the second pick of the draft. Washington moved into number two, and the Giants fell to three or four, wherever, wherever they fell. So instead of getting... Chase Young, who's going to be a generational talent on defense for the next ten years, he already. I mean, look at the year that he had this year as a rookie. So, by them winning a game that they didn't have to win, they lost out on Chase Young and and instead got a mediocre left tackle out of Georgia. So, (laughs) so what team's stupid? (laughs) Who's the stupid team here?
3: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And of course, they the Eagles won't be in the playoffs, but. Here they are. You know, that's going – I guess that's going out with a bang, right, Mark? You covered the team for oh, a long man. time.
4: Let me tell you about the Eagles, Jason and Paul. I covered them 32 years. I can't – I don't think there was – there might have been one or two of those 32 that wasn't filled with drama. When they're good, they're drama-filled because there's always something going on. When they're bad they, – I mean, this year they're terrible. They're, they're Obviously, they're, they got the sixth pick in the draft, so they're the sixth worst team in football. Tied for fifth, really, because the Bengals had the they had the same record, um, and they have the, you know first they have the quarter the whole Carson Wentz issue, and now they have this did they throw the game? And I mean the Eagles, one thing about them, and, that, and as a as a beat writer for them for a long time, it was it wasn't hard to cover the Eagles. I mean it was there was if you couldn't if you couldn't find stories about the Eagles then you weren't looking hard enough. I mean it was there was always something. Always, 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 always. Well,
3: okay, so I want to ask you if we have time for it because we're going to preview the Saturday games that are going to take place. There's three of them with the new playoff format. There's seven playoff teams now, so there's three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday. So more football for the football lovers. But speaking of, like, drama and, and covering the team and events, I asked a couple weeks ago very briefly about that summer with Terrell Owens and him doing sit-ups on the driveway. And that was a big event for those of us that were fans of the game at that time. Some of our listeners might be a little too young, may not remember that as much. But T.O. and his his issues with the, the offensive coordinator. Was that Childress at the time, Mark? Yes. And, and then I don't know if it was necessarily contract-related, but Drew Rosenhaus wasn't too far removed from that whole thing. So tell the story and talk us through what it was like covering uh-huh. that, that circus in the in the summer of 05.
4: That was the worst. That was, really was, the, in 32 years, the most, um, I mean, it was, It was. I'm not going to say it wasn't, it was obviously newsworthy, it was national news, but it was a pain in the butt. It really was. I mean, T.O. was just a pain in the butt. Um, all right, well, it all started, we would have done all right. So the Eagles um, trade for T.O. the year before, 2004. He has an incredible season. They go to the Super Bowl. He gets hurt. He breaks his leg, but a couple games to go. Uh, somehow, miraculously, comes back and plays in the Super Bowl. and has a. If the Eagles would have won that game, he'd have been MVP. I mean, he was unbelievable. Um, and he was unbelievable that, that whole season. That uh, 2004 season, I mean, not only was he great, he kind of stayed away. He, he wasn't a bad guy. I mean, he, he told funny stories. He had something to say every week when we interviewed him. He only talked once a week, but that was fine he gave you enough that one day to last year for a week um, everything was fine now when he when he signed with the Eagles when, when, when they redid his deal everyone told him this wasn't a good deal his eight I mean I forget who his agent was at the time it wasn't Rosenhaus it was somebody else but the NFLPA even jumped in and said this isn't a good deal he signed like a seven year deal it was all back ended it was just a, it was just a bad deal but in his mind, in his, um, and he's very he's a very confident person. Obviously, um, he he felt, well, I'm going to have a great year, which he did, and they'll redo my deal for me, which the Eagles don't do. <laughs> that no, the Eagles don't redo deals after one year. they, they they, they, they did that deal for, for a purpose, and so now he has the great year. He comes back, plays in a Super Bowl with a broken leg. Um, he goes in and says, "Hey, I got to get a new new deal now, right? Look at all, look at what, at what I did," and they laughed at him. They really, they they literally laughed at him, and then made him look bad. Which is this is where the Eagles are fall. They leaked it out to us how he like they he went in and talked to them. He didn't he didn't talk to the press. He went in and talked to them. They could have just told him no and let it go. Well, they put it out there how how dare this guy come in here after one year and demand a new deal? We don't have you know and made him look bad, actually. So then that set him off. And then so one by one during the summer, he went after everybody. You know, he, he started with um, – well, he went after Donovan McNabb. That, 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 they're still going at each other. You yeah. know how many years later, 15 years later now. Mm-hmm. Um, he went after McNabb, saying, you know, I wasn't the one that got sick in the Super Bowl. Um, Childress, he, he started picking on Childress nonstop. Um, and it was every day. It was something crazy every day at camp. So finally, Andy Reid had enough of it. Um, I forget what day of the week it was. I'm gonna, it was middle of the week. It was either like a Wednesday. Maybe. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm going to say that it was Wednesday, and um, <clears throat> Andy just had enough and told him to go home. Sent him home. So we're at, we're in there covering you know training camp, covering practice and everything. And the PR guy comes out and says, um, "I got news. Uh, we we sent To home today. He he's suspended." Uh, until further notice. And we're like, oh shit, what's going on now, right? <laughs> is that? Oh, that's that's just what we need, right? So now now Eagles had training camp at Lehigh University, which is in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, uh about an hour or more, hour and a half probably north of the city. Um, T O now word gets out through Rosenhaus. He he calls a bunch of us or gets word out to us that T.O.'s going to have a press conference at his house. Now, T.O. lives in Moorestown, New Jersey, which is nowhere near Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. <laughs> so we're all like, oh, Jesus. So um, Rosenau says, well, you know, get everybody get here when you can, and we'll, and we'll start. So we all, like, jump in cars, two, three, you know, we all, a bunch of us drive from Bethlehem all the way down to Morristown, which is not, like I said, it's not around the corner. And we think we're gonna to go to a a press conference. Like TO's gonna to be there and he's gonna, you know, have chairs on the whatever and we're gonna sit there and interview him at his house. Well that's not what we that's not what we got. <laughs> we get there and there's he's out on the front lawn and there's nothing said there's like a podium there and, and Drew's there and and, and T O.'s doing sit ups <laughs> on his yep. front lawn.
6: Yeah. Working uh-huh. out. <laughs>
4: like it was the freakiest Crazy like what what like what did I just walk into? Like what why am I doing it? What is this? And he's not answering anything. And Rosenhaus just keeps saying next question when you ask him something. It was like it was the most insane event I've ever covered in, in all my in all my years of class. So he calls
3: a press conference, you guys jump over you trip over yourself to get there. You get there and it's like Al Capone's vault with Geraldo. There's nothing there. Well, it was something there, but and all of our, all there. of our, <laughs> hardly any of our viewers are going to get that reference either. <laughs> Mark, you and I know what that's about, but yeah, so it was just,
4: it was just so weird. Like I'm there, and I'm, and I'm asking questions, and they're and they're not, get, I'm not getting answered. T.O. I'm saying T.O. Why? What? What are you doing? Like, what are you? What? And he's just looking, he's laughing, and like. This is insane. Like, why am I involved in this thing? But I could be home now. I could be I just worked all day. and now I gotta be now I'm here and this is nuts.
3: So Paul, okay, Paul, for you because you were in high school at that time. Barely, I think. So from your perspective two thousand five. Oh five. So Paul, do you remember this and what was your perspective as as at the age that you were as a, a football
5: fan? Uh yeah, so I was 8th or 9th grade at that time Um, (laughs) uh, uh, I just remember seeing it on TV and all that stuff so hearing the story, it's it's funny just imagining Mark being there (laughs) out in the driveway with T.O. had no idea about that until a few weeks ago when you brought it up Jason Uh, but I'll be honest, I don't remember much of what I was thinking at the time, but it is seeing that interview or what was that interview uh, popping up on Sports Center, and he's in the driveway, shirt off, with his, you know, got his bench out there and doing sit-ups and curls, whatever else he was doing. That does I I don't remember what my thought was at that time, but I do absolutely remember that scene.
6: Hey everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or, if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with BlueWire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. Check out the description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join
3: Mark, did your question get answered or were you a next question guy?
4: I was asking t o stuff, so he was just kind of smiling and he wasn't asking, he didn't like he, it was weird i don't remember, I don't remember exactly what I asked I think it was something like you know, I was trying to get to the point of like do you think you should have been suspended? do you think you should have been sent home? And he wouldn't. He just kept laughing about it. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was nuts. Teal. I mean, he's, there's something wrong with that guy. I mean, he's, <laughs> I really mean it. There's great, great, great talent, but just, just, just out there. The most out there person I ever by by far. Most out there person I've ever had to deal with. Right. Well, there it is. Jim, Eagles and Jim McMahon was pretty nuts, but. T.O. made McMahon look like look like a normal guy. <laughs>
3: well, there it is. You know, Eagles front and center, and and making making waves. And you know, Terrell Owens. I guess Andrew Brandt has said several times, greater talent, greater tolerance. And there was a lot tolerated from T.O. But there's also a reason why he spent time with five or six different teams. Yep during his career. He, well, he wore, out his, wore out his wore out his welcome very, very quickly most everywhere that he went.
4: He killed almost every quarterback he ever played with. He wound up like, you know, verbally assassinating him. From Jeff Garcia. You know, remember what he did to Jeff Garcia?
3: Yeah, but then and then he you know, but but all everybody remembers because the media does a good job of pushing whatever they they want to push at times, is him crying and defending oh, Tony Romo as yeah, a that's Dallas Cowboy. and, yeah, and that's, that's the
4: only one. That, yeah, He's my quarterback.
3: That's my quarterback, yeah. What an interesting thing, interesting thing. Well, the Eagles are done, and T.O. is not in the league, so we will not have to look, look deal with that or deal with the Eagles anymore. But one of his former teams, one of several of T.O.'s former teams, is playing in a playoff game on Saturday, and that's the Buffalo Bills. Bills are hosting the Indianapolis Colts. Guys, I, I got to start off by telling you that the time slots that these games were given, I don't understand. So we're starting off with, with what I think is going to be the best game of the weekend or of Saturday, which is Bills-Colts. That'll be the, the early game. And then it's the Seahawks hosting the Rams. And then we finish up at, at night once again. Washington in prime time. They will host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because Washington won the division, even though they finished 7-9. and nine. So, Bill's Colts, for starters, some notes on this one. Colts finished 11-5. and They were the seventh seed in the AFC. If you want to talk about disparity between the NFC and the AFC, you have an NFC division champion at 7-9 hosting a game, and you have 10-6 and 6 teams, like you mentioned, Mark, uh, the, the uh, Miami Dolphins that did not get into the playoffs, but the Colts at 11-5 and squeaked in, I'm using my quote fingers, as the seventh seed. And... As far as the game goes, the Bills might be one of the hottest teams in the league right now. I don't oh. not, not since the K gun days uh, back in the 90s has a Bills team had this much hype, so much going for them. They won 9 of their last 10 games, and that was really only because Arizona hit a Hail Mary and stole that one. Otherwise, they would have won all all 10 of their last 10 games. And the so the last legit loss to me was when they played the Kansas City Chiefs. And a lot of a lot of people have those two teams facing off in the AFC Championship game, which I hope happens too, but Josh Allen a quarterback Grown up right before our eyes, he got some buzz as an MVP candidate. Played well down the stretch, 37 touchdowns, 10 picks, 4,500 yards on the season, and that improves on last year's stats for him by 1,500 yards. And he threw another 17 touchdowns. Now, Stephon Diggs added added to your offense will do that for you. The Bills' defense has been very good as well. The Colts finished the season eight and three. They still managed to, as I mentioned, squeak into the playoffs. They handed the Packers their third uh, their third loss of the season, and they draw a tough one against Buffalo on the road. Now, Philip Rivers, the quarterback for the Colts, he's no stranger to postseason games, but he hasn't his teams haven't won too many, and he's been dealing with a toe injury. But he will play this week, as far as the injury report goes. Colt safety Rocky Sint is out with a concussion. DeForest Buckner is listed as questionable. Jonathan Taylor will play. So, former Badger Jonathan Taylor will be play, make his first playoff appearance. And then for the Bills, Stephon Diggs listed as questionable with an oblique, but he said to the media, it's cool, I'm good, no big deal. Cole Beasley also questionable. Paul, we'll start with you. Indy's got a pretty good defense. The Bills have a pretty good defense. Is this game going to be a defensive battle?
5: No, I think the I mean, I think the Bills' offense is going to put up points They're You know, they're second behind the Packers in points per game after the regular season, which uh, snuck up on me. And they're also fifth by DVOA. As you said, they got a good defense as well. I think they're just more all around a better team than what the Colts are. And we saw the Packers, who also have a very good offense in their own right, put up points against uh, Indianapolis. So I I think the Bills are going to put up points. I expect the Buffalo to win. I think Indy will make it you know a close game and one of the more impressive things that Josh Allen has done this year has been his completion percentage you know as a rookie it was 53 percent then just under 59 percent and this year it was 69 percent I mean seeing a quarterback improve that drastically on accuracy that that's really uncommon so whatever work he's put in this offseason I mean kudos to him it's been impressive and he might you know he might finished second or third in the MVP voting this year. So I'm going to go off on a quick tangent, though. So for my non-Badger fans, bear with me. For Jonathan Taylor, coming into the draft, there was, you know, he's not fast enough. They're worried about his hands, uh, his usage, which I kind of get. He was used heavily at Wisconsin. But he went to the Colts, which, and they've done a beautiful job in using him to the best of his ability. You know what you do when Jonathan Taylor's struggling with the football? You give him the football. Let him run. And he went for 200, what do you go, 253 uh, the final week of the season. Three weeks before that, he went for a $1.50. Uh, he finished with over 1,000 yards this season. And for everyone who was worried about his catching ability because he didn't have a lot of experience at Wisconsin and something Packer fans to keep in mind with A.J. Dillon, Caught 36 of 39 passes this year uh, for just under 300 yards, 299 yards. He's not uh, Aaron Jones and Alvin Kamara where you're going to put him in the slot or line him up out wide, but the Colts used him correctly. You get him the ball in space because you know where Jonathan Taylor's at his best? In space. So they used him correctly. And as a Badger fan and big fan of Jonathan Taylor's, I was just happy for how this season went for him, and a lot of those – draft evaluations they seemed they seemed to be curved to him being you know the the logo on his helmet rather than the player that he was so i was happy to see him have a huge year
3: well and mark yeah. you know speak on it because I, I think one of the things you're probably going to say is yeah the logo on the helmet and the conference you play in college yeah um
4: i'm, I'm not i'm not going to top what paul just by that right? paul just gave i think Paul's going to be Jonathan Taylor's agent, but uh, <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm, yeah, I mean, he's a good player. I, mean, I, I thought he was a good player coming out last year and um pretty good pick by the Colts. They, they, they didn't have the first round pick, right, the Colts, because they traded for Buckner. So he was their first pick, and they got him the second round. And I mean, yeah, I think getting back to the game itself, I know we, we're, we're big on weather reports. What's the weather going to be in Buffalo? Today.
3: You know that's a good point. I'm not sure. I
4: don't. I don't like a dome team having to go outside in Buffalo. It's kind of like when you know, as a Packer fans, we all want a dome team to come to Lambo, right? Well, you have a dome team heading up to Buffalo. I don't like. I kind of like the home team in that one. 36,
3: 36 degrees, right? partly sunny tomorrow in Buffalo.
4: That's not bad. That's not bad. I mean, it could be a lot worse than that. No, and no weather. No, no snow. No ice. No nothing. Huh.
3: Nope, not not well, not okay,
4: that Okay, that's see. a break for the Colts. Mm-hmm. I happen to know both of those coaches pretty well because uh, Frank Reich was the Eagles' offensive coordinator. My last year covering the team, um, I don't want to I don't want to disparage the head coach of the Eagles, Doug Peterson, but um, I think we can look back now and say that Frank Reich had a lot to do with that Super Bowl team. Mm-hmm. I mean. They haven't been quite the same. Carson Wentz hasn't been the same since Frank Reich left. And I also find it kind of ironic that Frank Reich, as head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, is going to Buffalo for a playoff game. That's they, a good point. He, he, he made his name as Jim Kelly's longtime backup as a Buffalo Bill, coming in a couple times and play, and bringing teams back. He, he, he had that major comeback win. Against the Houston Oilers. Houston yeah, Oilers in, in, in the playoffs. So he's going to Buffalo. And then the Bills head coach is uh, Sean McDermott, who I've known forever. I he even started he started off with the Eagles. I'm going to say it was 2000, maybe 2001, early 2000s. He was in the personnel department. He wasn't even on the coaching staff. He was like a um, I don't know what his title was, but he was in the personnel department. He was actually the guy that when they, when they made cuts, like the like back then you used to make a couple cuts. Like he would cut down from like 90 to. Seventy-five, and then from seventy-five, to six, whatever it was, and um, he was the Turk. That was the name that they gave the guy that went around. He went around to like the, you know, the kids that weren't going to make the team, and he would put you know, put his, put his arm around their shoulder and say, you know, Coach wants to see you. And I was like, oh no. So he had like, you know, he was a, it was a bad, that's a bad job to have, you know, but that was his job those in those early years. And then Andy Reid took a liking to him. And made him, um, I think he was like a defensive quality control for a year or two. And then all of a sudden, Jim Johnson really took a liking to him and he, Jim became like a mentor and he became, um, I, I think he was line, I'm, I'm not sure I've had this in order. He was, he was linebacker coach and secondary coach, but I forget which one was first. I think he was secondary and then linebackers. I don't remember now, but, uh, he coached both of them. And then, um, when Jim Johnson passed away, Andy made him defensive coordinator and then fired him. Which was a mistake. Anyway, he obviously then he, then he, went, he went on to Carolina as coordinator there, and um, he's done a great job as head coach of Buffalo Bills. Um, but I mean, always a good guy. I always got along with Sean really well. I thought he, you know, very bright guy. He has a um, believe it or not. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. He has a connection to the to the, to the Packers in a sense, in that he played his college ball at William and Mary. He was a safety, and the other safety was. Come on, guys. Wayman, & Mary.
3: Uh, was it was it Sharper. Sharp, Sharper. Sharper. Aaron Sharper.
4: Yeah. Sharper and, and McDermott were starting a safety together in, in, in college. I used to, that, that's how Sean and I actually got to become friendly because he would, uh, you know, he knew I was a Packer fan. And uh, that's when Sharper was, you know, pretty good. And uh, he would say, "Oh yeah, Sharper and I have this, you know, blah, blah, blah. My, and I, Mike Tomlin also went to, I, I think Tom was a little bit older, but he also went to Wayman & Mary. So... Um pretty good coaching tree. I don't want you married with Tomlin and McDermott.
3: <laughs> yeah, I would so this is a good I mean, good good starting game, good matchup, two teams that yeah, I'm looking forward to that, game. that played well. So put you on the spot then I guess since we're gonna preview the game. So Paul, how do you got this one shaken out?
5: Uh I got Buffalo winning this one.
3: Uh I gotta pick the Bills too there at home. And honestly the the idea of the Bills somehow reaching the Super Bowl and having a chance to. If the Packers are fortunate enough to reach the Super Bowl, you've got two small market teams and two very passionate fan bases that could be a really cool, a really cool matchup and some cool stories. Mark, what do you got for Bills Colts? Who's winning?
4: Yeah, Bill. Bills. Bills home team. Like I said, I don't, I don't like a dome team going outside.
3: Going outside. So in week, so in getting out week two, but game number two, the Seahawks will host the Rams. This is a divisional matchup. Seattle's in the running for the one seed until Green Bay beat the Bears. And Seattle fell all the way to the third seed, and they will host their uh, division rival there. The, uh, the Rams gotten hot at one point and were pushing for the NFC West crown, but they lost two of their last three, including two of the Seahawks and and also to a beat up uh, 49ers team in late November which kind of took them out of the running the Seahawks won five of their last six they dropped one to the Giants in Seattle cool. in week 13 which kind of gave Green Bay some some breathing room green bay got a little bit of help this season although they were they won it in the end when they needed to but green bay got a little bit of help and that was definitely one of those games that that kind of helped them uh, gain a little bit of an of an edge there the big thing in this game is it's in Seattle uh, if we're going to ask about the weather report, it's it's supposed to be 44 degrees and partly partly sunny, so not too much different from, from Buffalo. But everyone doesn't th- think of Seattle as this snowy place, but it's going to be a little bit on the cool side. But it's, it's in Seattle. Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson are undefeated at home in the playoffs together. And Wilson's easily the better quarterback in this matchup. Jared Goff has the thumb injury. He had surgery on it just two weeks ago. He did say he feels good. When he talked to reporters earlier this week, he's listed as questionable. He has not been necessarily named the absolute starter unless I missed something. As far as health-wise for Seattle, cornerback Shaq Griffin and Jerron Reader listed as questionable. Uh, The Rams are really coming in pretty healthy in this one. So the big question is, Paul, how do, once again, obviously a big home advantage, even though there's no fans in the stands or very few fans in the stands in Seattle, how do the Rams somehow surprise the Seahawks in this one?
5: Uh, their defense is going to have to show up, um, you know, Russell Wilson and that Seahawks offense, especially at home. I mean, they're, they're a really good unit. And the Rams do have Jalen Ramsey, who was a first-team all-pro head of Jair, as we just talked about earlier. But, you know, so maybe he'll line up on uh, either Lockett or Metcalf. Uh, but I think it, I really just think it's going to be too much for the Rams to overcome. I mean, every team has their path to victory, and I think with them it starts with their defense keeping it um, more of a low-scoring game. I mean, as low-scoring as they can. Because the Seahawks' defense, for as much as they struggled early on, they have been trending in the right direction um, over the last month or so of the season. And the Packers have as well, but the Seahawks were, they were far worse off than where the Packers were when that when that run started. So I think it's just going to be too too much for them. Goff, um, especially if Goff doesn't play, but he's coming back from the thumb injury. Um, I'm guessing that if this was... Regular season, you know, week three or four, he might not be playing just to give it that extra time and make the final push. So he might not even be at a hundred percent if he does play. Uh, so I think it's just going to be too much to overcome in that environment, uh, that Seahawks offense and then their defense, who, the, who's trending in the right direction. Yeah, Seattle formidable team.
3: Once again, they're at home in the playoffs. Mark, we've seen this story before. The good thing, the good news is, if Seattle, some, uh, I shouldn't say somehow, Seattle wins this game. They face the Packers eventually. If the Packers are able to win their matchup in the divisional round, Seattle would have to come to Green Bay. But do you think how much of a chance are you giving the Rams to pull off an upset here in Seattle?
4: Well, they have a chance. I think mean, the Rams have a chance. I mean, they they split during the season. Um, but like Paul said, and I you know I can't agree more that you know a thumb injury for a quarterback is not a good thing. I mean, uh, it's and it's, it's it's his throwing hand, so. Yeah, I mean, he just yeah, he's going to try to play and and give him all the credit in the world for, for that. But you know, is he going to be able to grip the ball well? Is he going to have anything on the ball when he throws? I can't imagine he's going to be just you know, hey, yeah, I'm fine. I got surgery last week and now I'm good to go. I mean, no, that that thumb's going to hurt and it's it's going to bother him. It's going to affect his throws, especially a deep ball. I would think, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. um, it's yeah, that that's a big problem. But this, you know, this is a big game for for Packers for the Packers and Packers fans because if the Rams do win, the Packers I would unless there's a major major upset on Sunday, um, that's in the Packers. The Packers play the lowest remaining seed, correct? Correct. Yep. That would be the Rams. Rams are six. So unless the Bears were to beat the Saints, I don't think that has a prayer happening. Um, If the Rams beat Seattle. the Rams are coming to Lambeau next week. Sure, which I'd and, and to be honest, I don't. I don't think I mind that. Oh no. So, so I think I'm. I'll be rooting for the Rams. Although, I, and I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a, a close game because the Rams' defense, I think, will really step up. But then I think, in the end, Russell Wilson will make a crazy play and to lock it or or Metcalf or one of them, and Seattle will wind up winning by three.
3: We've seen it happen too many times. I know that Carson Wentz had a really tough season, but that pick in the end zone and Quandre Diggs just kind of taking a knee and doing his little interception dance. The Seahawks always seem to pull one out in that in that building. They've lost some games there too. They should have lost the pick one. They did. They didn't. But uh, they they always seem to pull one out. So I I think Seattle somehow finds a way. Or I keep keep saying somehow. I, you could tell I definitely don't want Seattle to win this game. I would not mind the Rams pulling off the upset there. I just want to. I, I'm here for the drama. The Packers aren't playing; it's relaxing. I'm just looking forward to a drama, or a, a relaxing day oh, ho- yeah. of hopefully drama-filled football for us because we don't really have to worry about this week. But whatever happens this week is going to spill over into next week. And if it's not the Rams upsetting the Seahawks, then in the nightcap, the Washington football team is hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And if the Buccaneers win this game, they will likely they will be coming to Lambeau Field, and it will be Brady versus Rodgers in the playoffs. The media will have an absolute field day with that. Guys, this one is really simple. It's Tom Brady versus Alex Smith. Both teams are relatively healthy. Uh, Smith's been a little bit banged up, but uh, he's he's okay. Mike Evans is good to go for the Bucks. But I think... And Washington did win and they they got their way in and they made the playoffs in a season where all of the drama with their name and Dan Snyder, the owner, and everything else. I think the magic carpet ride for Washington that that they've been on is going to come to an end here. I think Tampa is going to take care of business. They're getting, Tampa's getting some of their players back from the COVID reserve list. And I think it's ultimately going to be the Buccaneers that come. To Green Bay to face the Packers, Paul. I don't know if I'm dumbing it down too much, but it uh, Brady versus Alex Smith is really all I need to know to, to, to determine where I think this
5: game's headed. Given the record difference between these two teams, I do think it's going to be, you know, relatively close. But, you know, possibly like a one-score game. I think Washington is just going to kind of hang around for most of it, and for two reasons in particular: one, Ron Rivera being their coach, and then he went to the Super Bowl with. Carolina, He has this playoff experience. I think that that's a, an important aspect of it. But also that uh, Washington defensive front, uh, Chase Young, Montez Sweat. I know Brady gets the ball out quick, but I think that they're going to cause problems in both the run game and a little bit in the passing game as well. However, I do think the Bucks are going to win overall, talent-wise, uh, being at home, or they're not at home, <laughs> are they? Washington is the home team. Uh, but still, overall, uh, talent-wise, I think that the Buccaneers are, you know, that's going to be the difference in the game. Washington's going to put up a fight, but you can tell that the Buccaneers are just going to be the more talented and better team, and they'll come out with the win. But I do expect it to be, you know, a one-score game or so.
3: Yeah, and this is one of those things where we've talked about before, who hosts the playoffs, and does the NFL need to look at how this whole thing works out? Because now you've got a seven and nine Washington team hosting a Tampa, and we saw this with the the New Orleans Saints back in 2010, as they hosted the Seattle Seahawks, and the Seahawks, uh, and the Seahawks who were seven and nine at that. Actually, the Seahawks hosted the Saints, and the Seahawks ended up winning, even though they they had the lesser record. So, Mark, I know you have your thoughts and opinions on that one, but. Well, again, again. One, well, Brady versus Alex Smith. Is there anything, anything else here, and, and besides, yeah,
4: besides Chase Young it.
3: having the game of his life, that's going to help Washington pull this thing off?
4: Yeah, you know what's going to help Washington win is the last time that you brought up the Seattle-New Orleans one, but there was one after that. The Carolina Panthers were the one the NFC South at seven and nine under Coach Ron Rivera. Yep, they hosted the eleven and five Arizona Cardinals. And beat him. And who is head coach of the Arizona Cardinals?
5: Ah, full circle, Bruce, Bruce Arians. Arians. Oh yeah.
4: I've seen seven or nine, Ron Rivera beat eleven and five, Bruce Arians, <laughs> once before. So I'm gonna, so I'm, I'm gonna tell you right now, this is the upset of the, of, of of the weekend. The there football is, team, folks, the football team will beat the Brady's. The Brady bunch goes down. Tom Brady, how do you beat Tom Brady? Ask the New York Giants. You beat him up. Pressure. You get a front four that goes in there and kicks his little butt around. Michael Strahan and and Jay, uh, Tuck and those guys. Well guess what? This Washington front four, they're ready. They're ready. Look out, Tom. Duck. Here comes the here comes the football team.
3: This is the most excited I think I've heard Mark get in a long time. So Mark, the way you have it shaking out then is Seattle takes care of business. So you have Washington coming to Green Bay and divisional weekend.
4: Well, yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. So I got to say that, right? That's what I'm for. <laughs> I don't want Tampa Bay. I hate Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay probably my least favorite team in the playoffs. right now.
5: Brady losing in round one, two to a seven and nineteen would be pretty it hilarious would be as well. Would that be right, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be.
4: <laughs> well, and look,
3: I'm not a big. I don't like Bruce Arians either. I think he's kind of pompous. I don't even know if Bruce Arians likes Tom Brady or Tom Brady likes Bruce Arians. They've definitely had their moments this they season where. It's it's um, Arians takes a totally different approach than does Tom Brady and Gary Myers, formerly of ESPN, did a, a really nice podcast series on the goat Tom Brady, and there was a new episode that just came out too, and he talked a little bit about the relationship between Brady and Bruce Arians and how they they kind of got it together. And Brady was just hot trash with his deep ball earlier in the season. This last half of the season, he's been a, been a lot better on some of his deeper throws, but you know Brady's getting up there in years, and yeah. the cold isn't going to be an issue. He played many years at, at in New England, and he played his college ball in Michigan, so there's no issue with the cold, but I would, I'll would, i tell you, if we have to sit through this game last and, and we don't get Colts' bills and the nightcap like I had hoped we would, then I hope it's a, a drama-filled game to end the, the Saturday slate and kind of pump us up going into, into Sunday. Hey, God, do either of you guys know if – which of these games on Saturday is also being simulcast on Nickelodeon, or is that the Sunday Sunday
5: games? Do either of you know? I, I just know. know the Bears one is on Sunday. On know. Sunday. Saturday one, though. Interesting. I think
4: it's only one up. I think it's just one.
5: A whole, a whole new audience
3: the NFL is going after, which really equates to a whole new audience of, of advertisers uh, for kids stuff, which... You know, any way, any way to make some extra money, right? Which, you know, the league could certainly use because their they're, they're billionaires have lost a bunch of money this, this, this season. And we'll talk about that in the offseason when the, the salary cap goes down by, we're not sure how much, if it does at all, or I, I, I'm not exactly sure. But I think, so, Mark, you've got Washington winning this game. Paul, yes, did I do. That's my upset. Did you make a pick, Paul?
5: Yeah, I got uh, Tampa, Tampa Bay winning, but I think it's a close one. Yeah, I think I think
3: Tampa pulls it out. But I'm here for the drama. I would not mind at all any any of those outstanding finishes. I would kind of like to see the Bills advance just because I want to see Bills and Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. That's that's a big want for me. So the Colts are great, and congrats on a great season. But it's Phillip Rivers, and we all know he's going to fall apart at the, in the conference championship game anyway. So you might as well put the Bills through. And then Seahawks, Rams... I don't know anything. To, anything that can knock uh, Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll out, I'm all for it. And, and Mark, I wouldn't mind, wouldn't mind seeing your your uh, prediction come I'm just, true. I'm
4: just playing a hunch there. I mean, I, yeah. you know, they're home. It's like I said I, when I, when I saw the thing about Ron, you know, Ron Rivera, Bruce. I'm like, oh my god, that's kind of weird, right? And Both of them with totally different teams now too. So it's not like you know the same teams, but again, but I just thought that was a, a great little note that. Carolina beat Arizona as a 7-9 beating 11-5 and here we are again with 7-9, 11-5 I don't think many people gave Carolina a chance to beat that Arizona team back then, right?
3: No.
2: So no.
4: Did. And that's why
3: he was a beat reporter for such a long time. Mark Eckel finds the storyline that the rest of us missed... Absolutely fantastic! Can't get that insight anywhere else. Can't get it anywhere else. It's your Saturday crew at Pack Day Podcast. Okay, so now we're into the playoffs. The regular season is over with. So, Mark, what happens now with your coverage over at Packer Report?
4: Well, I have a story up now about Chris Barnes. Uh, just the, the the latest of the Packers always find these undrafted guys that turn out to be pretty good. They have now. Here's a stat I had in that story. There's 15 players on the on the Packers current roster were undrafted. Fifteen. That's as many as their first and second round picks combined. That's a pretty – I think that's that says something. I'm not sure what, but it says something. Um, and Chris Barnes is the latest of those undrafted guys to become a – you know, he's a big factor for this team. So I have a story up on him now. Um, next week we'll wait and see, you know, who they're playing. And I'll, have, I'll probably have a story up Monday morning and then again Thursday uh, looking ahead to whoever the Packers – Oh, it'll be Washington. So I'll be right about the Alex Smith versus Aaron Rodgers, looking back oh, to that draft.
5: You can so. get started on it tonight, so I to <laughs> know.
4: I'll wait a little
5: bit. <laughs> oh, I hope. I
4: don't, I don't want to throw it away. <laughs> I,
5: I
3: hope so. And, and Chris Barnes is not only a contributor and a big part of this defense, he's the green dot on defense. Yeah. So that is a big-time role, big-time guy, banged up again against the Bears. Let's just hope he's using this week off to get healthy and be 100%. So, that he is available to the Packers. They're going to need him. And then Paul Brettle with the litany of great written work that you do. What's happening over at Dairyland Express now that the season's over?
5: Uh, earlier this week I wrote about kind of Chris Barnes as well, but a few weeks ago the Packers uh, did a little shakeup at the linebacker position, as Jason just mentioned, with Barnes getting the green dot and Kirksey moving to the will linebacker. And it's paid off for both players. Uh she said TV on Friday, I wrote about how the 2019 draft class has really stepped up. Saturday at Dairyland, I'll be doing uh, regular season superlatives, so unsung hero, offensive MVP, defensive MVP, fun stuff like that. And then next week, we'll just be looking ahead to whoever the Packers are playing, or excuse me, Washington.
4: <laughs> I got everybody going with that. Now. All right, <laughs> the football team. Let's go football team.
3: So next week we'll be back on our regular rotation. Obviously we'll preview the Packers game and give our take on it, but we'll be doing the injury report ahead of whoever Green Bay is going to suit up against. And hopefully the Packers are coming in as healthy as they can be. I think they, they are, they, they got out of Chicago. One of the things I talked about last week was come out of the Chicago game, a with a win, B healthy after playing on that playing surface and against a physical bears team. And the Packers largely accomplished that. So, Good things going on. This is this actually is our second show in 2021, so we can once again wish everybody a, a happy New Year since Mark is part of the crew here again. We will be back again next Saturday as the Packers prepare to take on the Washington football team. I'm saying that very definitively right now. If I'm wrong, everyone can make fun of me uh, next week. Everybody enjoy the wild card weekend. Enjoy the stress-free weekend. Stay safe and go Pack Go.